0: You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammin. Hey everyone, this is Michael Jammin. Welcome back to another episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This. My next guest is a great dude and one of the first dudes I've ever worked with in, in Hollywood as a TV writer. Uh, Mr. Steven Engel, and his credits are, well, geez, man, he's got some fantastic credits. Dream On, which you, you ran. He was the showrunner of Dream On. We're going to talk about that because that was one of my favorite shows. Uh, Mad yeah. About You, All Right Ready, which you which you created, right? You co-created it. Or you I, it? I
1: didn't create it. I, I ran it, though. I, ran I, it. I, I, executive, I supervised and, and executed the pilot and then ran the series, co-ran the series. All right. All right. Okay. Just Shoot Me, which we worked on together. Work With Me. Which you, which
0: that were you, wait, did you create that, that I
1: created? That now, I created. was
0: it. Work with me or work with me? It was work with me. It was work with me. It was, it work, was, with me. Work. It was work with, with me. me. <laughs> uh, yeah. <it>
1: was,
0: uh, <laughs> Inside Schwartz, which I know you created, and I, yes. I remember I, I helped out for a, a day or a day and a half.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I think I gave you a um, three hours worth of work in a day and a half.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was it was very appreciated. <laughs> uh, the big house. Yeah. Uh, quintuplets, The War at Home, Big Bang Theory, uh, Ant Farm, Mighty Med, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Uh,
1: yeah. You
0: got a lot of credits, dude. I, now, I've been around. I've been you've around.
1: have been around.
0: <laughs> Tell me, well, let's first begin with the beginning. Okay. Because I know you started as a as a lawyer. That is correct. And how long were you lawyering?
1: It felt like forever, but it was really only like three years, maybe. And uh,
0: this, this is in New York right out of law school.
1: Yeah, I went to law school, which was a very big mistake. I knew within a month that I would made a terrible mistake, maybe sooner. but Why? Uh, I just got there. I went straight from college, really, because I didn't know what else to do.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And back then, like, you know, I didn't know. I lived in New York. I grew up in, you know, a town away from you. Yeah. And I didn't know what, like, the TV business was. I didn't know anything about screenwriting. And uh, so I, I, like... I was good at going to school. So I went to law school. I applied, I got into a good law school. I went and, you know, I just got there and it was like, just stultifying. If that's the word, it was, it was, but, but I uh, thought what
0: I've heard is that law school is interesting. It's being a lawyer. That's not fun.
1: No, I, I just, I had like all through college. I wasn't, I didn't really do a lot of creative writing. Like I didn't take creative writing courses,
0: uh-huh. but I was
1: actually looking back at some, I found some of my old like economics papers and I, I reread them and like, I wrote them as if they were like Woody Allen vignettes for the news. <laughs> like they all they were all like they had these like big tee ups that were comedic. And then like I would get into the substance, but it was like with examples that were funny. Right. You know? um, and then I would sort of sum them up at the end. And my professor would always be like, Thank you. After you know, reading like 25 oh. papers, it was a pleasure to read something that was interesting. Oh, that's nice. But when you get to law school, like there's no there was no leeway for that. It was like everything was just like completely dry. Yeah you know, so, you know, intellectually, it was kind of interesting, but it was like, it was very creatively, uh, you know, stifling.
0: But as a kid, you didn't do any creative, like, like you weren't weren't in the theater, you weren't doing anything like that?
1: No, not really. I mean, I I was interested in comedy. Like, if I look backwards, I could see all of these things that I did. Like, I did a TV show in college, um, like a game show that I wrote and hosted. Uh Uh, I did, um, like, I did a I taught a class on 20th century humor and satire. Like, so all of the things were there. Like in retrospect, you could see a path that was leading to writing comedy, but I didn't know that it was a job. Right. Right. You know, and it wasn't really until law school that I started like exploring, doing comedy. I started doing stand up a little bit. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But then then how did you,
0: how did you know, how how did you realize it was a job? At what point?
1: You know, I, 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 I was at the time i had a friend who was doing in college from college who was doing stand up also we were we had our girlfriends were best friends uh-huh. and um he was a year behind me he was applied to law school, didn't go and decided he wanted to try to like break into writing and um we were both doing stand up and then we said we just started talking and said <laughs> we should write a movie okay like, okay so we we kind of got together one weekend. He was living in LA. I was in NYU law school. I interviewed for law at law firms in California. So they would fly me out so that we could get together and talk about movie ideas. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. we came up with an idea. We started writing separately and we knew nothing. We literally knew nothing about writing screenplays. We just yeah. had seen movies and, you know, movies and, uh, So we, we like, we started writing this idea that we thought was really great. We had about 50 pages that we thought were fantastic, you know? So, we ended up through a friend of a friend got like, had lunch with a guy who was a professional screenwriter. And he told us, you know, you should read this book, Screenplay by Sid Field, which yeah. everyone should read, you know, if you are trying to write. So we read this book and we're like, oh no. You know?
0: <laughs> You're doing we wrong. we don't
1: know anything. And we realized that the 50 pages that we wrote that we thought were gold should have been like five pages. Right. Nothing was happening that like there was, it was just like character development, character development, joke, 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 mm-hmm. joke funny scenes. So we took those fifty pages, compressed them down to five pages, and and came up with a proper structure. Uh, and then we were writing this whole movie, like, well, he was pursuing his career, and I was a lawyer. Guy, guy's name, by the way, is Rob Burnett. Who, right? <laughs> we were writing partners, and he went on to great success at David Letterman. And
0: he was executive producer of Let. But was he the yeah. head writer or executive producer?
1: Head writer, mm-hmm. executive producer, and and basically president of Worldwide Pants. Right. So. Uh, And we wrote, like, five movies together for studios, various studios. Uh, And um, ultimately, I got a job on Dream On and moved out to L.A. to write by myself, because he was writing at Letterman by himself. And we sort of, at that point, we didn't need to collaborate, because we all had individual careers.
0: You skipped a step. How did you get hired on Dream On?
1: Okay. So um, he and I were writing this movie. I got a law job when I graduated. Uh I worked there for the summer. They offered me a job when I graduated. And I did the first risky thing I'd ever done in my life. I had never like done anything remotely rebellious. And I decided that I was going to take probably the first gap year that anyone ever took. You know, like I oh, wow. I asked the firm if I could defer my job for a year because I was trying to write. They're like, okay. OK, yeah, no problem. You'll have a job waiting for you in a year. So during that year, we kept working on this screenplay and trying to finish it and hone it. And he was still working at Letterman. Um, and he at that point had had risen from an intern to like work in the talent oh, wow. department to being a writer. Okay. So um, he worked with a woman. We finished a screenplay and he worked with a woman. He shared an office in the talent department with a woman who had been there a long time and decided to leave to become a manager. And her only client at that point was, I think, Chris Elliott, who had wow. been on Letterman. <clears throat> right. So he knew... She knew that we had this movie because Rob had mentioned. She's like, let me see it when you're done. I'll see if I could do anything with it. So she read it and she sent it out and got us hired to write a movie for 20th Century Fox. A week before I started my law job. And I didn't want to not start the law job because we were a writing team. It was like guild minimum. I thought this may be the only writing job I ever have and I have a pretty high paying law job. Let me kind of try to do both and keep both paths open as long as I can. So I did that essentially for three years. I practiced law while I was writing the entire time, writing movies for studios.
0: And but you were practicing law out here in LA. I was in New York. Oh, you were still in New York.
1: I was still in New York. And I, I essentially, the law firm didn't know what I was doing. So I had this double life, right? you know, where I was like treating my law job, this very, you know, prestigious law job, like I was like a bartender gig, you know, <laughs> writing movies at the same time. And eventually I couldn't keep all the balls up in the air. The law firm said, you know what? We want you to go. we got a great treat for you. We're going to send you back to law school at night to get your master's in tax law. I'm like, that's fantastic. And I didn't tell them I was, now I had two jobs and I was going to school at night. Yeah. And you was, couldn't turn down, you couldn't turn down ridiculous. their offer. I couldn't, I couldn't tell them. Wow. And eventually like I couldn't do it anymore. I was getting too much work at the law firm. I had school. Yeah. Uh, Screenplays, deadlines. I just finally kind of, went into work one day and just kind of said, I, I, no mas. <laughs> like, How'd that I, go I, over? They were, they were like, you know what? This makes so much sense. Cause we were all like, you seem really smart and you're really good at what you do, but it just didn't feel like your heart was in it. it yeah. Like, right. Yeah. So they could tell kind of, and it answered a lot of questions for them. So then I quit and, and decided to write full time, you know, panicked that I would just thrown my entire life away. Right. Uh, but you know, so we ended up getting, because by the way, that manager. Yeah. Was Laurie David? She went out to marry Laurie Leonard, who went out to marry Larry David, and was Larry David, uh, and then produce *An Inconvenient Truth* as a you know she won an Oscar for that.
0: But then how did you how did what did did she submit you to get how did you how did you get you know your hands on for *Dream
1: On*? Oh, for *Dream On*, I so I had. Eventually, what happened was we got a second screenplay deal to write another movie, Uh and she said, "By the way, I'm." Not allowed to negotiate your deal because I'm a manager. Right. Uh, so I'm going to bring an agent in to negotiate your deal. And we kind of said, well, then I guess maybe we should like look for an agent, you know, rather than just have this guy come in and do the deal. Right. You know, and I'm not sure we really need a manager and an agent. Back then you didn't. Right. We ended up getting a, an agent at ICM, a right. feature agent. And we, you know, we then did a, a couple of other projects. And eventually I started between drafts of a movie I was writing. Uh, Rob, by the way, was at this point a writer at Letterman mm-hmm. and I had quit my law job. So I was like, well, if he has a day job while we're writing movies at night, I need my own career yeah. as an individual. So I wrote a movie by myself, gave it to my agent. He shopped it around. I got a lot of meetings and stuff. And then I wrote up like a spec, just a TV spec on a whim between drafts of this movie. Cause I felt like taking a break from it. And I gave that to my feature agent. He gave it to a TV agent at ICM who loved it. And started submitting me around. And um, I ended up meeting with Kaufman and Crane. Right. For a, a, a show, not Dream On. They were, they had Dream On and they had another pilot that was going to series on NBC. What show was and that? It was a show called The Powers That Be that nobody right. saw. It was with like John Forsyth and right. David Hyde Pierce. It had an amazing cast. Yeah. So I go to meet with them and they had, my agent had sent me episodes of Dream On and had sent me the pilot of the show. So they come in and they go, what'd you think of the pilot? I go, yeah, it, it was pretty good, but I really liked Dream On. I'd never seen it before. And I kept talking about Dream On and how much I loved it. Yeah. And we had a really good meeting. And then when I get back, my agent calls me and says, um, just just so you know, when you go up for a show and someone says, how'd you like the pilot? And that's the show you're up for. Yeah. You loved the pilot and yeah. it's the show you want to work on. Right. They're not hiring for Dream On right now. And they don't want to hire you on this pilot because you didn't seem inter- interested. I'm like, okay. And then like a month later they were hiring for dream on and they remembered me and they hired me for that instead. So I, I did. In fact, I ended up, you know, back backing into this job that I much preferred. And how many, but how many years were you on dream on before they bumped you to, you know, showrunner? Okay. So I was a story. I went as a staff writer, had not worked a day in television, really. Andy Gordon was, you know, Andy and Eileen were, it was their first day. Right. Uh, a writer named Howard Morris. It was his first day. We right. were all three staff writers. Um, but I had written five movies. So I had a pretty good understanding of story structure. And, you know, if you can write a movie, you can write a TV right. So So um, I, I did the first season as st- a staff writer. The next season, I was a story editor. And then um, the showrunners left. And they needed to find a new showrunner and they couldn't find anyone they liked. And eventually they just said, I think Steven can do it. So I literally went from like being a, my second year I was a story editor or executive story editor, maybe I got a bump at the end. Right. To to showrunner. That's crazy. Yeah. So I was like, I I didn't know if I was ready at all. I was just like, the only reason to say no would would have been out of fear. And I realized, worst case scenario, if I completely flame out, then so they bring someone in over me and i'm still in the same position
0: and then how or they or they fire you but um they well, get rid of you
1: i don't think they would have i think they probably would have just kept me around because i was the only one who knew the show and how and how many years did you run it for i ran for the next two seasons the last and then the show ended
0: and why do you why do you think they left why did they leave the show their own show they had a deal Hoffman somewhere?
1: and crane created the show ran it for three seasons they were getting paid like a dollar to do this. They had never done anything. It was like, it was insane how little money they were making. Right. And um, they got a deal at Warner Brothers. Right. So between season two and three, they had created a show before Friends called Family Album. Right. And I went and worked on that between seasons of Friends, uh, between seasons of Dream On. And then I went back to Dream On as the showrunner. Right. You know, so uh, the season, the second season Two Other writers who had been on who had been producers, Jeff Greenson and Jeff Strauss, mm-hmm. rose to showrunner. Then they left and took a deal at Universal, so there was nobody because they weren't paying a lot, so right. people were going to more lucrative jobs, right? So they needed Amazing. a showrunner, and nobody had, else had worked on the show. And they were like, We could bring in someone else who doesn't know the show, or we could let Steven try. So, would you and
0: I mean, you were not intimidated by that. I mean, I mean, I, well, I was take,
1: scared shitless. Right. I mean, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I mean, I I learned. Fortunately, I learned from really good people. Yeah, but know? I remember
0: when we worked together on "Just Shoot Me." The first six episodes, first season, I was yeah. fuck. I was useless, and I didn't know what to say. And I would look at you guys, the you know, more senior writers. And I'm like, how do they know what to say? How do they know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was. I was
1: like so lost. You, you know. know I, I, I think part of it had been that I was a little older than you were, you know, I was, had already been a lawyer for, so I was like 30 when I had my staff writer job. Right. So maybe I was a little bit more confident, you know, just in ge- general, you mm-hmm. were like 25, 23. I was or 26.
0: Years. That's 26. Okay. But okay. okay.
1: So I had gotten my first writing job when I was 26, writing a movie. Mm-hmm. And I, had, so I had done a bunch of movies. I understood structure. Right. You know, I, I had like a confidence in, that I knew how to tell a story, right? you know, so I, I, I guess I kind of the first day at dream on, I remember pitching something like where they were telling a story that had a fairly kind of conventional ending where everything worked out really well. And I pitched this subversive twist on it mm-hmm. where the character, it looks like every, the character was going to win. And then at the end it all got pulled out from under them. And they were all like, I think that's better. Right. You know? And, um, just because I I just not really been around network television and you know, or even any kind of television, so I was pitching kind of a lot of I don't know, movie more movie like ideas, I guess. That's uh, so interesting because I, I really remember,
0: even I remember on just shoot you, me, you would stand at the board a lot. I remember, to be honest, you uh, would, we would often disagree with Levitan and you made such a compelling case, and you know, you're always at the board, you got immaculate handwriting and you're always standing at the board breaking the story and you'd make an argument and it was so compelling i'm like maybe we should be listening to this guy like, I was like it was dooms like if we don't what's going to happen you know of course there's many ways you could do it but of at the course time, i was like
1: of course i was like wow what's going to happen if we don't do it that way it's very funny I, I remember the first season of dream on howard morris who i love who's a great guy very emotional guy you know and i was very logical in a lot of ways and he had written a script and he had this whole run that he really was in love with And the script was long. We needed cuts. And I was like, you know, I think we can cut from here to like two pages later. And you really, the story actually, not only would you not miss it, but the story would actually be working better and be more tight. And, and he was like, you can't do that. You can't, you can't possibly do that. This is, this is the greatest thing that's ever been written. I'm like, it is really good, but I think it, we need cuts. And I don't think it's, I actually, and one by one, everybody in the room was like, I think he's right. And he was like losing his mind. He was like, don't listen to him. He's, he's using his (laughs)
0: logic
1: on you. Like he's a magician. (laughs) (laughs) And we ended up cutting it and it ended up working better. Right. You know, so it's funny that, you know, I guess the legal training came in, I guess, to some use.
0: Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, but I also (laughs) remember you saying, I I quote you as this, saying this, that you're, I have to get this right your uh worst day as a writer was still better than your best day as a lawyer
1: It was probably <laughs> I'm not sure that's true anymore <laughs> <laughs> I believe that <laughs> uh, I, for a long time that was true. I, I would say there have been some dark days but what you know, what are you what do dark days look like then for you like you know, what is it that, well the day your show gets canceled right you know um there were days there was a one show that canceled where I was like, oh thank God. Right. Because I had a deal behind it and it was, it was like a nightmare and I hated going there every minute. Right. Um. And I was like, I had to go into the room and pretend like, like a really bad news. Everyone, the show's been canceled. And <laughs> <But inside, laughs> I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um. There are some times when it's so bad, you're like, just end it. Just fucking euthanize me. Right. Um. Yeah. So that, you know, that, that, you know, that was, a, you know, there are days where to show you, isn't going badly, gets canceled. And then it's, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, do, do you so, have a
0: do you have a preference? Because you've done it a lot. Do you have a preference between working single camera, writing multi-camera?
1: I prefer single camera.
0: Why? Um,
1: you know, I, I think it came it comes from my feature writing, you know, career. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> you know, I like multi-cam. It was funny, I, I made such a conversion. When I worked on that show, Family Album, with Kaufman and Crane, mm. Uh, we went in and I had p- there was some joke in my script and it was a good joke, I thought. And we're, you know, we go to the table read and it, it doesn't do great at the table. This is my first time I've ever had been to a multicam table read ever. Mm. First multicam script. And like everyone in the room is kind of like, yeah, I think we maybe want to punch this joke. And David Crane, to his credit, was like, and I believe in this joke. And it's a really good, smart joke. So we go to the run through, first run through it dies and again everyone's like you know maybe we want to pitch on this and and uh david's like no no i i really let's give it one more day i don't think i feel like they didn't do a great job on it you know let's give it one more day <laughs> by the third day you know it dies again and and same thing and david's like let's give it another day He goes, <laughs> it's, he goes i think it's i think it's rye i'm like i'm at this point i'm completely converted i'm like Fuck rye. Rye is fucking crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Let's. I got. We could pitch twenty more jokes. Like you know. I. It took me like three days to realize that you know you can't get away with like clever. You need to get real laughs. Right. Right. Um, And I like. I like it. You know. I just like uh, the storytelling in in multicam a little bit better. Multiple. You like the storytelling multicam or better? No. No. In single Single cam a little bit better. Yeah. Right. You know. um, I also. You know. I, frankly i i used to think like a perfect job for me would be you write the scripts and then you send them out like magazines like you don't actually have to produce them <laughs> like oh, yeah you know you know that was always where the hard the you know
0: it's never as funny as it is never in as head. Funny.
1: sometimes it is it depends on your cast you know and uh-huh. but other times it's like you know the the rewriting and the endless rewriting it's just like just, just let's just have them read it and let them imagine what it might look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a book. It's called I, um, a book, yeah.
0: <laughs> there was an episode, I think it was Yashubi, I'm not sure if you were there then, but I wrote a, I was fighting, I fought with Steve, my partner, about a joke that I wanted in the script. I go, this joke is gonna kill. And he's like, this joke is terrible. I'm like, huh? it's, it's going in, it's going in. And we got no blows over it. We put it in the script, we go to the table and the joke just dies. It gets <laughs> nothing. And then I start laughing hysterically. I was like, "Cause I, <laughs> how how could I've been so wrong and so arrogant?" And I'm laughing hysterically. Now everyone's looking at Siebert because they're like, "It's his joke. You're laughing at him." <laughs> and now I'm laughing even more. I'm like, "Yeah, it's his fucking joke."
1: <laughs> There's nothing more humbling than you know watching your jokes die on a, on a stage. You know, it's like after a while, you you know you get used to it. But um, you know, the great thing about single cam on Dream On, we'd write it, we'd go out and film yeah. it, and like if no one's laughing you never know you never know right <laughs> but you did you to and, believe
0: in it but you did table reads
1: that for dream Mon. i'm sure right I did not do table reads it's so interesting how did you get how did you get away with that they had no they didn't they they gave no notes hbo gave no notes i remember like getting one note one time and being like i can't work like this <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, i have to this joke this is like i'm not changing this joke I'm like, and I was like indignant, like a playwright, like, like Eugene right. O'Neill had, had, been, <laughs> had the to change a, like a stage direction. And then I got to, you know, I got to network and it was like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. These are now, these are this, notes. This but is how it works. When you were, now you've done also a lot of kid shows. Did you, I mean, you get a lot of notes on kid shows more or less. Oh my it?
1: God. Yeah. You'd get, you know, tons of notes. More I than networks. Just, I did, just, you know, oftentimes you get a notes. It's like, I please take some of these jokes out. It's. It, I, it doesn't need to be this funny. Real, like, what's the problem with funny? All right. I can get you the best punch down writers. In, nah, in- <laughs> bring them in.
0: <laughs> but really, they don't want fun. Is that the kind, what kind of notes do they give you? Anisha?
1: I did a show. I did a show. Uh, this show, this um, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters reboot, which was. Uh, very scary. Yeah. For, uh, for Amazon. Uh-huh. And the first thing we turned in, it was very funny. And they were like, we don't really do this. It's like, we don't want this to be funny, like, as nearly as funny as as this script is. It's like, just, like, don't feel compelled to put, like, a joke on every page. I'm like, a joke? Right. Like, you want, you don't want one joke on on every page? And they're like, no. If it's, like, warm and fuzzy and, like, you know, they just were afraid like, that it was going to feel too Disney or, like, or too too networky or jokey
0: or whatever, you know. Because when you look back at, you know, sitcoms from the what, uh, 60s and 70s like family affair there weren't a lot of jokes in family affair I mean no
1: they know. I think that's what they were going for they were going for just kind of like poignant and sort of warm and right you know um and they didn't want I think they felt like jokes would alienate people and be too controversial or you know it was just they kept referring to their viewers as customers <laughs> buyers they, was, they were want so we' buyers our buyers. <laughs> our buyers our customers don't really want that I'm like Okay. All right. That's
0: so I wonder if that's that's really how they saw them. It's like uh yeah. They, what, what else were they going to
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It it was.
0: Oh my god. So um but so did that make the hours easier since you didn't have to punch doing, up? Or doing doing right? like a, a
1: sort of family shows? Yeah. Cuz are you getting out earlier? Yeah. Yeah, I think so for the most part. Um you know, I mean it wasn't we 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 never phoned it in. You know, we were always okay. trying to do like and we never wrote down like the shows that I worked on we made them as funny as we could and and as bendy and and weird as we could right oftentimes we would get notes saying like this is too you know I think you're you you know kids aren't going to get this but like what they don't get they'll ask their parents or their older siblings and you know like let's not let's not underestimate the audience they'll it's like watching Bugs Bunny cartoons like you're going to still laugh and you may not get every level right you know so we were kind of writing it for the adults you, So you
0: were adults. able to push back on
1: that yeah yeah I mean their their I guess their recourse was ultimately to cancel you you know <laughs> if you weren't doing what you, what they wanted you to do um well is there do they have different ways that, I mean they must you know different ways
0: of measuring we haven't done too many streaming shows, but measuring when people are dropping off, what kind of stuff they like, more statistics. Do they share that with you? No. No.
1: Never, never. I only did, I mean, Amazon was the only streaming show um, and they never really wanted this show, I don't think, to begin with. Um, I think it was like inherited from the previous regime or something, you know. Um, Yeah. It was like, you know, the whole thing was driven by puppets, you know, and they were like, we don't really... If, if we had our druthers, we wouldn't even have the puppets in it. Well, like, well, the main character is a puppet. So right. <laughs> you're kind of stuck.
0: <laughs> that's so, oh man, that's Hollywood, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you, Now do you, but you must get more, obviously, opportunities in, in the children's world. Basically. I don't,
1: I don't, I don't, and I don't pursue them. I didn't, I didn't really want to do it. I, right. I basically did it. I only did it because it was a showwriting opportunity. Uh-huh. Uh, and I didn't want to work on someone else's show uh, at that point. Uh, and I also kind of leveraged it into I wanted. I said I'll do it if I can direct. Oh, okay. So I I ended up getting in the DGA and directing you know a handful of episodes.
0: And they were single camera.
1: No, they were multi. Multi.
0: It's so interesting. Yeah. Uh,
1: that, and it was it was kind of fun. I mean, I had just sort of aged out of coaching my kids' little league and basketball teams and stuff. Yeah. So they were now like just had just more or less finished that. So working on a show like that was almost like being a coach. Right. Like You know, or a camp counselor, you know, in a weird way, you know, you'd go to the stage. The kids would be like thrilled to see you. You know, you get down on one knee and get eye level with them and give them like a compliment sandwich. Do you know that from coaching? No, what is that? A What's compliment comp- sandwich is basically like in baseball. You would literally you would get down on a knee and you let's say you're doing T-ball. Uh-huh. And, you know, in T-ball, what happens invariably is a kid hits the ball to left field and every kid on the field runs to get the ball from every position, <laughs> you know, or at least a handful of them do. So you get right. down on the knee and you go, I love your hustle and great enthusiasm. You know, then you put the criticism in the middle. Right. And you're like, but you know, you need to stay where your position is so that everybody has their own spot. And you know, if the ball's hit to you, the ball, you know, you field it, if the ball's hit to left field, they field it. Right. Uh, but again, great energy and keep up the, you know, keep up that enthusiasm. So you put the, the constructive criticism in between two compliments.
0: I would think that sandwich. they would remember the first thing and the last thing they heard.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's, that's great the job. <laughs> thing. We did a joke like that. We did a joke <laughs> like that where um, a character on Ant Farm was giving a note to somebody. They were doing like a musical performance or something, uh-huh. and the main character said to this other character, "Okay, I really like your enthusiasm. Um, try, try to hit." At least any of the notes, if possible, because your singing's not good at all. But again, great energy, and the character goes, "Thanks, hey, thanks." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I would. But so it's so interesting. And were you dealing with a lot of like, you know, parents on adult momagers yeah, or whatever? Yeah,
1: there was a lot of that. You know, I I had it was fun, but creatively it was like I'm done with this. I I just want to do. I'd rather not work and just write stuff I want to write than right. write on, on a kid's show at this point.
0: Because I and also so- felt
1: like they weren't really looking for you to do anything smart and that smart or that funny. It's changed. I think they're trying to be more creative and more inventive uh-huh. you know. now. But uh, at the time, you know, it, it just felt like I, I don't really feel like doing this anymore. It's just not like... You know, like someone would say, what are you working on? I'm like, it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> it <doesn't matter. laughs> don't worry about it. You're not going to watch it. It's fine. They, well, it's fine for it. what it is, but you know, I don't watch it. You're not going to watch it. So
0: that's it. But now, so when you, when you say working on your own stuff now, so whatever, you'll just write stuff on spec and hope to sell. Well,
1: yeah, I'll pitch stuff. I'll write stuff on spec. I, you know, I, I've written, I've written a bunch of specs recently where I tried every possible way to skin a cat in this, uh-huh. in this business. I'm like. It's all I'm gonna write spec scripts. That way they'll totally see what the show is and and then I would have a Bible behind it to pitch all uh. of these things. And I've had a couple of things where I had studios say, Let's go out with this, but let's pitch it like you didn't write it. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm like, well, why why would you do that? You know, because I've got it right here. It's like and Because like, they want to
0: put their thumbprints on it. They want
1: to put their imprimatur on it. So it's it's like the way I put it is if you give them a if it's like if you give someone like a baked, fully baked cake. They'll be right. like, this is a pretty, it's a good cake. Like, but I've got this recipe for a cake that's yeah. going to be the best cake that's ever been made, you know, and we're going to put in all these different ingredients and make it even better. And then that gets turned in and they're like, well, it's a cake. Yeah. You know, there's always that like unknown potential of what a pitch is going to be. Whereas a spec, they'll go, well, there's this one thing I'm not sure about or this other thing. And, you know, they want to, they want to get involved, you know
0: now do you but have you ever sold anything on spec because uh
1: honestly i don't think i i don't think i have i think i I know we haven't i I have have a project i have a project right now that i'm it we're going back and forth on negotiations we're we're negotiating an option
0: Uh
1: for them to to you know option the script and they're trying to decide whether we should go out with the script or go out or whether i should reverse engineer the pitch Right. But we have an option, they have an option for a year within a purchase, like with a purchase price to buy the script. Well, what would happen right. is if we pitch it, they would basically go, okay, just wait three months and then turn in the script Right, that you've already written because we love right. the script. But right. again, it's it's unclear as to what my feeling is we should send out the script because the idea in, its, in and of itself is not necessarily that unique. It's the execution of the idea that's unique. Of course. And... You know, I think that's what got you interested. If I had just pitched you this idea, you probably would have said, "Well, nah, I don't know. It seems like there's stuff out there like that." Right. But it was the it was my script that got you excited.
0: Right. Right.
1: Uh, I, I remember early. on, I wonder if you
0: still feel this way. I remember I just shoot me you telling me, "Yeah," because you, you know you were ready to leave, move on. And you're like, "Yeah, I, I want to go back to running a show." Yeah. And then you did mm-hmm. a couple of many shows. But yeah. Do
1: you do you still feel that way? Do you care so much whether you're running it or you're co executive You know, I've I've had good experiences and bad experiences doing both. Uh Uh, You know, for a while after um, the big house, which was, you know, a good experience, uh, my kids were at that point, like, you know, maybe how old were they? Eight and six. Mm -hmm. And I was like, running a show was very all consuming and like, you, yeah. you never go home. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. even when you're home, you're like, you've got outlines to read, you've got mm-hmm. cuts to watch. You've got the weight of the show on your shoulders at all times. You, you can't get away from it. Yeah. And I was like, I really want to be more present. I want to be like, be able to go to my kids' games. I want to be like, come home and like be able to sp- relax. So right. I'm like, I want to go on and be someone else's like, you know, uh, consigliere. I'll be the number two. Yeah. I'll go, here's what I would do. Do it. Don't do it you know, whatever you want. And then go home and be like, you know, I'm done for the day. And I did that for a while. And I think in retrospect, it sort of took me, it took me off of the showrunner, showrunners list for doing that for three or four years. Uh You know, I think people were not necessarily, you know, remembering or thinking me necessarily when they were looking for showrunners because I was all of a sudden now someone's number two. Right. Uh, But I don't regret it because I got to, spend the time with my with my family
0: but and, now do you i mean now you want to go back to running i mean well, it, it's like, it up, is a lot of work
1: uh, my kid well right now honestly you know nobody you know me but anyone under the age of 40 doesn't has never right. worked with me and doesn't know who i am right. so for me to get a job on, a, on another show because i it's been a, you know a while since i've worked on a show where with people who would be young enough to go oh we need to work with this guy he's really smart right and good and funny uh, if I'm gonna get a job, it's because I'm gonna create a show myself right. and and run it and that's the job I'll have right you know uh I don't even know if my agent even submits me uh, I have no idea
0: yeah right
1: you know um so i'm I'm back to kind of just pitching and writing my own stuff and if it sells mm-hmm. of course I'll run it you know right so um but they both have their perils i I missed my kind of adolescence as a TV writer. I went from being right. like a second grader to a, to like a college student. You know, right. I never had that. Right. So, you know, I got to go and be on someone else's show and and sometimes it was good and sometimes it was bad. Like I worked in the Big Bang Theory and it was not fun. Right,
0: uh, you know, I've heard that from a lot of people. It was
1: the most fun place to work. It was a delightful show, Right. you know, but it was not, I used to not like going to work every day because right. I didn't take the tone of the show. The work environment. I mean, the tone of the show, I was fine not dictating the tone of the show. Right. But I didn't, I was not enjoying the tone of the work environment.
0: Right, I got you, I know what you're
1: saying. uh, So, um, it it was not a good experience. I dreaded going every day. You know, it was a job. It It was like, I might as well have been a lawyer again. Hey, it's
0: Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, Join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not gonna spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com watchlist watch list. Yeah, Have you, you've had many experiences
1: like that though? Uh, Were you like, a eh, pit in your stomach every morning? Not that many. Not that many, you know. Um, once on my own show, just because I had a, a difficult situation with one of the stars, right? Uh, you know who who uh, it's not worth going into, but uh, at but, least on the air. Uh, what's that? <laughs> at least at least not on the air. Not on the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, most most shows have been, you know. Some are better than others. You know, I had a, I worked on a sh- you know I worked on a, a show that it was very dysfunctional and. You know, I've gone into work on shows where they're like, where I had a deal where they were like, we need you to go help on, on this show. And it's kind of in shambles. I'm like, I'll go in and help. But I'm going in between the hours of 10 and 7. And, and if you... they start at 5, I'll be there from 5 to 7.
0: Yeah, but the, OK, you can make that deal with the studio. But then the minute the showrunner finds out about that, they're I made it with the show. I
1: made the deal with the showrunner. Oh, OK. You know, uh, because I, I, they needed the help. And I was like, I'm not. I'm not going down this sinkhole. I've already, I'm in a deal. I don't right. need, you know, oh, I'm okay. doing this. I'm helping out because I want to be a team player. Right. But I'm going to help out within the hours that are reasonable hours. And, uh, you know, and it was so dysfunctional. People would show up and like play guitars for four hours yeah. and like play ping pong. And I'm like, are we going to work or not work? So I'm like, let me know when we're starting and I'll be there.
0: Yeah, I know. And, I, and when, I don't, I don't uh, know if that happens so much anymore. I think that's something that's been cleaned up a little bit.
1: I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I look. Think... Some shows. Some showrunners are not. Some creators become. You know, writers become creators are not prepared yeah. to be a showrunner. They don't know how to manage a, a business.
0: That's exactly right. You it's... know,
1: and it's a different skill set. You know, mm-hmm. being a talented writer and being a, a manager or a CEO are different skill sets. And some people have are lucky enough mm-hmm. to have both skills. Some people are good. CEOs, but not great writers and they need a right. better team. And some people are great writers and, and need someone to help them literally get through the day, you know, and people
0: expect- don't realize that because no one goes into comedy writing to become a, a, a manager of no, people, you no. know, that's, be- and
1: you know, if you have the talent, you eventually you're, you, you, rise to a level where you're expected to all of a sudden be in, in charge of 150 people, Right. you know, right. and, you know, to show up every day on time. Mm-hmm. And like to try to like be responsible and and actually, you know, conduct yourself in a way that's professional, you know. And not everyone can do that. You know, and how and,
0: and I always the trickiest thing I think, as a showrunner is knowing when to push, knowing how far you can push back against against a network note or or even a difficult actor. Yeah. And what, what's yeah. your thought on that?
1: Well, what I used to do is. <laughs> They never would give me a note. The trick to 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 getting and addressing notes is to give get them to realize that they're being heard, mm-hmm. and you'll say, you know, we're not going to figure this out right now together. I hear you. I know what I know exactly what to do. And then go off and change it enough that they feel like you've taken their, you know, at least into consideration, their thought, their thoughts into consideration. Right. But oftentimes what I would sometimes do is. They'd give a note. I'm like, we can do that. But just so you know, here's, here's the ripple effect. If we do that, then this scene here no longer makes sense because mm. the scene that you really love won't make sense because we've already revealed this information. So this scene doesn't play. And then this scene doesn't work because whatever this and this and this. We can do it and I'm I'll have to change those scenes and I'm willing to. But just realize that it's not as simple as making this one change here. There right. are Ripple effects throughout the rest of the script. And they're like, you know what, you're right. I, I, that stuff's working great. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, Am so they, did... they don't, they don't know, they don't necessarily always see the big picture and right. understand how pulling one thread can unravel the entire sweater. So I just present it to them and go, would you like me to do that? I, we can do that. And then they go, no, no. I'm like, I can look, I, I hear what you want and I'll massage it without right. having to do those things. But I'll. But I. I hear what what you're saying, and I'll. I'll try to adjust it. You know, as best I can without unraveling the whole script. And then. And then working. What about working with difficult actors? Um. You know that's harder. That's harder. You know, because you can't uh, put the
0: words in their mouth. You can't. You make, can't them make them, say them do
1: it. it. I. I. mean, I had a uh, an actor who literally, was so he just didn't want. He just. He wanted to take over the show, mm. and was he never should have done it. Like he he they backed up a money truck to get him to do it and he didn't want to do it and he did it reluctantly and didn't wanted it to be his show and not my show right so i think wanted tried to get rid of me and like came to table reads with like sunglasses on and just like looked down the whole time and
0: mm-hmm. which
1: was the best thing that ever happened because the network saw that he was not doing Bravo. his job I was doing my job but he wasn't doing his you know but if, they're if, still going to take their his side the show went down but i didn't i didn't get like they were like you handled yourself really professionally and that person didn't.
0: Are, are you worried so much about that? Are you worried so much about, you know, protecting your reputation, reputation like that within the industry? I mean,
1: you always have to be a little bit worried. I'm, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I would probably <clears> think <throat> that just given my, uh. I don't know, I guess I understand. I have a, it's. I, I see the. I. I maybe it's coming from being a lawyer. I can see if you tell me, you know, uh, like I mentioned, if we have, to, we should change this joke or this line or this. Do we need this? I can sort of see like all of the ramifications all at once. Right. So sometimes I will by by pointing out the flaws in the note. Some some executives don't want to hear that. Right. They don't want to know. They just want to think that they're right. Or mm-hmm. they also want you to basically, like I remember in one one situation I had a show where they were like, we've got great news. You know, the network wants to do a mini room. I'm like, great. How's that great how news? That news? <laughs> I thought the deal was they were either going to pick up the show or not. That's why we went there. It's great news for us. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, why, why wouldn't you want to delve, you know, into the characters more? And I'm like, I do, but that's not the deal we negotiated. And now you're basically, I have to do all the same work for like one tenth of the yeah. money yeah and they they didn't want to hear that so i right. i think sometimes it's just best to be like and and what and i would also maybe sometimes have a tendency if somebody is lying blatantly to me mm-hmm. and i say wait i don't understand last yesterday you said x y and z but now you're saying a b and c mm-hmm. so i'm confused right and they just want to go they don't want to be called out on that right right so they're like look why are you being difficult i'm like i'm not i'm just asking for clarification because i it seems like you're telling me two different things and i don't understand right as opposed to just going okay i hear you we'll we'll do it you know without any you know so i i think you know i think sometimes you just have to kind of swallow your pride and just eat shit and not speak up about it
0: The problem is, like you're saying, I I feel like most of
1: those fights are not are not winnable. They're not winnable. So there's no point in pointing it out, you know, but but I sometimes I'm just like, I just don't I just don't understand. Just tell me what tell me what's going on and then we can move forward. Right. You know, but it's it's just sometimes they don't even remember what's what they're spinning, you know, so. Because I don't
0: think I've ever convinced an executive studio or network executive that I was right and they were wrong.
1: I, don't I have. Think I've ever, I have. Had. <laughs> it, may, it may have been a Pyrrhic victory, but I have.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you, know, were you were fired shortly afterwards. No, I mean, it
1: just may be whatever, you know, the, yeah, you're right. If you're doing it this way, but we, you know, in the long run, they just mm-hmm. maybe weren't that happy with the direction, general right. direction. I right. Mean, right. did the show, you know, I did the show <clears throat> where this kid show and it was this, about a superhero hospital mm-hmm. and, you know, and there were villains and there were heroes and, you know, superheroes and supervillains and we wanted the villains and the heroes to have like distinct personalities and flaws and, and and you know, be funny. You know, they could be you could be a villain and be funny at the same time. Like they're like, look, just just have them villains just be scary and don't make don't give them like they don't have to be funny. Like well, we're writing a comedy, you know, and eventually like we took a lot of the jokes out, but we didn't want to like deliver a show that we didn't believe in and Mm -hmm. then ultimately they were like we did two seasons and they were like we don't this is not really what we want to do you know so they didn't do a third season right so you either go down with your ship you know and what you what what you do the show you want to do and have it not get picked up for another season or you know do a show for four seasons that you don't believe in you know though a lot of people
0: when i on social media they say well you know they don't understand I think all the writers in Hollywood are terrible because if all the shows, I'm like, you don't understand how shows are made. It's like, no, no. sometimes the system is designed to, to make a show bad and there's really nothing you can do about it other than. You know, I mean, no one's best. looking
1: to make a show bad. It's just what the, what the creator thinks is good and what the network thinks is <clears throat> right. good may not be the same thing. You know, there's right. that famous story about well, those guys who did that Stephen Weber show called Cursed. I don't know if I know this story. Okay, Stephen Weber did a show. There was a show starring Stephen Weber. It was called "Cursed." Mm-hmm. It was for NBC back in like the nineties. Mm-hmm. And the premise was Stephen Weber is like this kind of womanizing dating machine who goes on this date and like with a, I, you shouldn't even say gypsy. I guess it's I don't know. If it's derogatory, but a woman who puts a, a a spell on it. Like he he basically ghosts her or doesn't you know call her or is not nice to her on a date. And turns out she has a, she puts a, a like a curse on him right. that he's never going to find love and his romantic life is going to be a disaster. Okay. So they cast Steven Weber. He's super charming and funny. They decide to pick up the show, and they go, "We're picking up the show, but we just want we have one elemental change we'd like to make." It's a small note. They're like, "Okay, what is it?" He goes, "We don't want him to be cursed." <laughs> They're like, um, "The show's <laughs> called cursed." They're uh-huh. so like, well, we can change it. Well, to like, so what? Well, the Stephen Weber show. Okay. So now it's just the about Stephen Weber dating.
0: Oh, okay, but he's not having a hard time dating. He's just he, he he's listening,
1: no but there's no curse. There's no curse. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. I did a show called Inside Schwartz, and the whole idea of it was that you're inside the main character's head. Right. So the idea is that he, you know, you get to see his internal and hear his internal dialogue. Right. With with characters he's talking to that only he can see. All right. Um and at one point about halfway through the series, the president of the network, you know, came to run came to talk to me after a run through and said, look, we really like the main character. We like he's a great actor, but he's like, we want it to be more of like a Michael J. Fox character who like dives into things without thinking. I'm yeah. Like, well, the character is written, is an overthinker and he's thinking about everything, and we dramatize those in forms of of him talking to these people who are, mm-hmm. you know, who only he sees. He goes, well, yeah, no, we don't. We 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 want him to not be an overthinker. We want him to be like just to jump into stuff. I'm like, so I'm writing inside Schwartz, and you want outside Schwartz, right? And they went exactly, perfect. <laughs> I said, all right, I guess. We're, but at, at that point, it's like you know, how do you turn a you know like a aircraft carrier around? Yeah, like through and you've got. I'm like, I've got four or five scripts that are ready to go. That are all. Hold on, I'm...
0: that's Hollywood.
1: You know, that are written inside shorts and you want outside Schwartz, and they're like, well, come up with new scripts. You know, you and... can take an extra week, a hiatus, and change, you know. So we had to basically change course and make an adjustment. And, you know, so it's just because that's just they, they think, what if they change their minds? You know, they, they they love something when they saw it, and then they start to panic that they mm-hmm. think it should be this. And, and they don't, they may the next day have a completely different idea, but it, it's yeah. just, that's the idea they woke up with.
0: Or often it's whatever, whatever was a hit over the weekend, that's what they want. And yes. make it more like that move.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, so that has ramifications and yeah. real life ramifications that you've then got to make work. And it's, that's your job. Your job, unfortunately, sometimes is to try to turn a cat into a monkey. You know, it's just like, all right, I, I, that's what I'm going to have to try to do and and do you are you able to do this with a good attitude you know i try to st- i mean I, I i think i have a i think i'm probably i have a better attitude about it now i'm just more mature and mm-hmm. and you know it's like all right you know it is what it is i understand it back then i think i took everything much more personally and i was yeah. like agonized more about it now i'm just like i kind of you come you know it's coming and you just right. have to deal with it and, or not deal with it or whatever, you know, I i walked away from it. I've walked away from a deal on a show where I was like, I didn't feel right about it. Like, what do you mean
0: you didn't feel right about it?
1: I just didn't like, I don't know. I just didn't, I wasn't comfortable ultimately with, with the people I was going to be working with. Right. As I got to know them better, you know, the deal wasn't the greatest deal, you know, uh-huh. like, and I was like, I don't think this is worth it. I think this is going to be a nightmare. And That's I just said I turn. I just wouldn't. They they didn't come up. I just said, you know what? No. I was. I was at the time. I was running a different show, so this was like development behind it. Okay. So I like didn't need the job, but I was right. like, I I see the writing on the wall here, and 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 if I can't, you can't meet my numbers, and this is going to be unpleasant, and I I can already tell. Mm. And how do you think they took it when you did that? No one likes to hear that. They were really not happy. I mean, yeah. I, really. I said, look, I'm not i'm just not comfortable with it and i just don't things had changed it it, it it was it was an idea that it's not worth going into It's just it just it was easier to just say forget I don't, i'd rather not do it than you know go into what i know is going to be a shitstorm. storm right now so, not enough money
0: the industry has changed so much even in the past maybe 10 years or so but mm-hmm. um i don't know what are your thoughts on
1: it what are your thoughts on where it's going look I, I i'm one of those people who you know whenever everyone who's not in the industry says oh it must be so great now like all these different streaming networks and mm-hmm. some to, to sell shows i'm like it's not great <laughs> you know first of all these places are you know you do all the same work you know, Mm -hmm. and you're doing six episodes or eight episodes or 10 episodes. And that's exactly when the curve starts to get, you know, there's a very steep curve, like getting a show off the ground. And then it's like, now I get the show and now it's sort of like, it's heavy lifting at the beginning and then it sort of tapers off and it's always heavy lifting. Right. But you start to figure it out and then you kind of, for the back nine, it's like, it's not as hard, you know, you you, if you stay on top of it and you get stories broken on time. So, you're doing all of the heavy lifting without any of the economies of scale. Yeah. And you're only getting paid by the episode, and you're working 40 weeks to do seven episodes or eight yeah. episodes instead of 40 weeks to do 22 episodes.
0: Are, are we, okay. So, that's interesting because they make you. That's not the case on many of the shows we're doing. Maybe they're lower budget. They just usually bring you on the, st- the writing staff in pre production. And so they well, The you're showrunners,
1: doing... but, but you're, you know, you'll, as a showrunner, you've got to do you know you're there for the whatever the eight're right. doing eight episodes you're gonna do eight weeks of pre-production and writing right you're gonna do eight weeks or more of production then you're gonna do eight to ten weeks of post and yeah. you know you're working 35 weeks to do those eight episodes whereas if you're working on a network show for 22 episodes you work 40 weeks and you do right. you get 22 fees right you know so um you know the the writers who come in and do their six, or 12 weeks get paid for their eight episodes and they're not, that's it. They work their eight weeks and they do their 12, you know, their eight episodes. Do you
0: feel this affects the quality of writers that you're able to hire now because of, you know,
1: um,
0: because they have less training?
1: Yeah, I think so. They're not around production. They don't understand, right. or understand production as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's tricky. I also think that to some extent I may be alone in this. I, I think that some of the storytelling and streaming, it feels like a lot of shows feel like they are someone took a movie Mm -hmm. and they probably didn't sell this movie and they said i got an idea for a series and they it it would be a great movie Mm -hmm. but what they end up doing is they kind of it's like you know those chest spreaders like if you were to have a heart bypass or something yeah it's like they put a like a chest spreader into the screenplay Mm -hmm. and they open it up and they jam like six episodes of filler in the middle Mm -hmm. and the beginning is like the first half of a good movie and the last two episodes are this the, the second half of a pretty good movie and the middle is just treading water and you're just yeah. like, you know, each episode becomes a chapter in a book. So a lot of writers are not learning how to tell an episode that has a beginning, middle and end mm-hmm. because it's all middle. Right. Like right. episode one is a beginning. Episode eight is the ending and everything in the middle is middle. Right. There's no, those episodes don't have a beginning, middle and end. They're picking up from the middle and, you know, ending somewhere else in the middle right you know, like they're moving the ball down the field but you don't have a kickoff and you don't you know and you don't you know it's it's not it i, I think a lot of writers maybe don't know how to tell a, a, a complete story anymore because there aren't any freestanding right. episodes
0: do you, know, you so. do you, how, how do you think these new writers are breaking in today it's
1: very different than when we were breaking in you know how, how are they getting in I always i te- i teach a course at UCLA, and I always try to. They always ask the same question: How do you get an agent? How do you break in?
0: Uh-huh.
1: I guess it's not that different, other than the fact that there are maybe fewer barriers to entry. Right. Uh, like you want to write a web series and shoot it on your phone, and you know, send it out to a you know a million mm-hmm. people. On no, the trick is 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 getting people to see it. You know, but right. no one going to read your screenplay. You know, if you're a new writer and you say, Hey, will you read my script? And you're in my class. They're like, Hey, can I send you a new script I just wrote? I'm like, no,
0: yeah, I'm not going to yeah. read that. Right.
1: But you know, they send me, Hey, I wrote like a one minute webisode, you know, do you want to like, would you watch it? I'm like, okay. I mean, I could watch a one minute episode of, you know, of something, right. you know, and if it's interesting, then you could go, well, that's really kind of interesting, you know um, let's talk about it, you know? So there are ways to get in. I, I hired a writer on a, on a, on hand farm. I was writing with a guy named Dan Signor Signer, great guy, funny writer and we were looking for uh, an assistant so we met this woman and she came in and she was she had no experience as an assistant but she had just graduated from harvard like six months earlier mm-hmm. but she mentioned she had a twitter feed and that she had written a couple of jokes that somehow Maud apatow had found right and she was like 12 and she tweeted it retweeted it and then because judd <clears throat> apatow followed her And so the jokes. He he started following her and retweeted it, and now and then a lot of his followers were started following her. So she's like, so like all of a sudden I had like ten thousand followers. Right. I'm like, so anyway, we finished interviewing her. Really liked her, and I'm like, what's the feed? You know, what's the Twitter feed? She told me, and I went and I read it, and there were like, I read the first ten jokes. Eight of them were like A plus jokes, Mm -hmm. and I said to Dan, I'm like, let's 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 hire her as our assistant. You know, if we need jokes, like we can, like she's really good at joke writing and we're still looking for a last staff writer. And um, I, 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 you know, she was our assistant for like a day. I'm like, do you have a spec you've written? She's like, I wrote a 30 rock. So I read it and it was green, but first five pages, five great jokes. Right. So finally, Dan and I were like, let's hire her, you know, today because in three years we're going to, she's going to be, we're going to be looking for her to hire us. Because she was that talented.
0: Have have three years passed?
1: Uh yeah. She very quickly became very successful. Oh wow. Uh, and has over like a million Twitter Twitter followers.
0: And but is she working as a writer?
1: Yeah, she, she ended up working on Silicon Valley oh, and wow. Parks and Rec, and she ended up working on like The Simpsons and, oh, wow. and uh, So you're right. The you good place. Right. Uh yeah. I mean, she was really talented. You could it was undeniable. Right. Um uh, wow. you know, but so I always tell writers write if you want to if you if you can write jokes you'll work till you're ninety, uh-huh. you know to the extent shows like to have jokes anymore which a lot of them don't
0: right right uh,
1: I always think about that that joke I don't, I don't know if you remember this from the Emmys maybe like four or five six years ago Michael Che and um, um, Colin Jost hosted the Emmys mm-hmm. and uh, I always tell this to my class uh colin joe says at the opening myologue he says tonight we give awards for the best comedies and dramas in television and for those of you who don't know a drama uh, a comedy is a drama that's 30 minutes long yeah yeah <laughs> you know there's just so many shows out that are not really that funny right then i ain't going for it what uh what is this club what's the class called that you're teaching at ucla it's uh it's in the professional program through the school of you know the film school it's uh it's just it's it's uh uh, write a writing a half hour pilot. So it's it's a graduate. So they have a grad. They have a graduate program. It's not a it's not a MFA, and it's not undergrad. It's like a professional program where you can apply. It's a one year program. You take three oh, okay. quarters, ten weeks each, and you go from basically idea to finished script in ten weeks. And it's you UC- say. So it's not usually UC- extension. It's something no, else. No, it's not extension. It's a it's it's through the School of Television, Film, and Theater. Wow, Theater, that Film, and Television. Cool. I guess it's called. Um, yeah. So you know. Eight to 10 people, and you're kind of. I I kind of act as the showrunner, you know, right? Uh, You know, but I want to hear, you know, get everybody's input. Everyone gets input from each other about their ideas. So it's like a writing class, a writing group.
0: They'd be lucky to get in your class for sure.
1: I, you know, I tend to give them a lot of, I think, very thorough notes, and hopefully it's helpful. And I don't mince words. I mean, I'm gentle with it. I'll always, like, I'll do my notes and then I'll go back and soften them. I'll be like, um, instead of this I don't, I don't think this is working. I would say I wonder if some readers might think this is a bit confusing, right? As opposed to this is confusing. Well, I, I remember
0: confusing. I remember and just should be turning to you. I can't remember was a script. You know, Levitan was running the show, and I think we had a problem with the scene. I, and I seem to remember you helping us. Like you pulled you aside. Hey, how do you think the scene should work? Because we were lost, and you were very helpful. You know. Well, you
1: know, I had at that point already run Dream on for several years and and had you know some showrunning experience and and look steve steve was a great showrunner yeah and one of his he's very he's smart enough and secure enough to know that i will benefit by having other experienced showrunners on working with me and Mm -hmm. other very experienced writers because i may not have the answer all the time
0: oh i also remember thinking that i don't want to bother the boss i'll bother someone who's not the boss you know
1: Yeah, yeah yeah you know but again it was you were you know it was your first job and and yeah. you know you're just you want to make sure you don't do any. i've worked on shows where like staff writers are told don't even say a word oh really you know um more or less like it's uh-huh. just you're there to, to you know to generate jokes on your own and like mm. just keep quiet you right. know, which which is to me it's like if i can get a joke from a pa i'll take it i don't care right. where the joke comes from if it helps right. make the script better you know if a pa comes in and delivers pizza and goes you know it'd be funny you know, I'm like, that is funny. Right. right I'll put that in.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. But it gets, it gets, whatever gets you home earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> makes the script better and hopefully makes the script better. Right. You know, it's all going to make you look better, you know, as a showrunner.
0: Yeah. It What I mean, and you're right, dude. I mean, that show, that it was really top heavy. Just shoot me. Was top yeah. heavy. And it was, it was like, that's probably what was so intimidating to me. It was like, everyone was so funny. And I remember even turning to Marsh after several weeks. I was like, Marsh, I, I, I'm laughing too much. I'm not pitching enough. I'm enjoying myself too much. Right, right. What do I do? You know? Because I have I'm not here to
1: observe. I can see how it would be intimidating. <laughs> you know, I was lucky enough that on my first job it was Kaufman and Crane were the showrunners. Mm-hmm. Greenstone and Strauss were like the producer, co-producer, co-exec producer, kind of supervisor producer level. And then we had three staff writers who were all pretty yeah. new. Right. So it was, you know, it was it felt democratic. Right, but you come into a top-heavy show, and you're the only you were the only staff writers, you know. Yeah, there, and it's there's Tom
0: Martin. There's Tom Martin. Oh, Tom, as well. right?
1: Tom, yeah. Tom Martin. So you know, and I know that he was uh, probably a, a little intimidated at first too. You know, yeah. Because it's, it's everyone seems to know and and what to yep. do, and it's like I don't even understand what we're trying. You know, I
0: don't even understand what we're trying yeah, to do here. Yeah, yeah, you know,
1: so it's it's complicated, but but you guys were funny, and you guys figured it out, and you stayed on the show for how many seasons?
0: We were there four seasons.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. So you know, you grew up on the show. Yeah, and you, and, and in you many ways, out. you, you, you know, you, you, you get more experienced, and you know, yeah, confident, and you know, then you rise, rise up in the ranks, and
0: and that is the, that's kind of like the school that we came out of. It's like you learn how to, you learn how to write a show from basically the first person you work under who runs a show. Hopefully, you get
1: there. I hate, you know... I hate to use, I hate to use this metaphor, but it's a little bit like you know, abused children become abusive parents. Yeah. You know? If you run if you grow up or your first show is a show with a with a you know a, a dysfunctional sh- environment you know you mm-hmm. never you you always just that's what you that's how you learn to run a show hopefully you know I'm never going to do that right but you know I my first showrunners were coffin and Crane and they could not have been a better showrunners to to, to model your career after right in terms of being kind and smart and funny and you know it was like ideal my dog yeah. is like insisting that i do something i don't know what feed her or whatever <laughs> can you see her back in the, in the I door saw, she, she, oh yeah i do actually yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah. she's
0: staring at you she's yeah, giving yeah, you the she, uh yeah. the malocchio
1: but you know so i was fortunate enough to to learn from really smart good kind supportive people and i hope i became you know all of those things as a result i mean i i think people are wired you know look you're not you're a good person you're gonna be a good person as a showrunner Right. If you're a broken person, you're going to be a broken person as a showrunner, right? No matter who you're training, uh, who who gave you training.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know?
1: And we all know that a lot of writers <laughs> are not necessarily the most uh, intact. Yeah, right. I
0: mean, you don't you don't go into comedy writing because well, you're necessarily you, you know if you're well adjusted, but
1: well, some people do, but a lot of people don't. You know. Um, yes. Yeah.
0: Stephen Angle, yeah. I want to thank you for taking thank your time you. out of your thank day. You for,
1: for being is, such a good interviewer and uh um, oh, this is
0: honestly, I, I, this is helpful for me.
1: Uh, it's only pleasure. Heard it 20 years ago. It's always a pleasure to see you and talk to you. Yeah. And, and but, uh um it was fun. It was great. Don't go anywhere. All right.
0: Uh all right everyone, thank you so much. Another great episode uh for more information go to com. You want to get on my newsletter, get on my sign up for my webinar and all that. Uh and that's it until next week. Keep writing. Thank you. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.